January 4th, 2041. Beneath the quilted sky, most things are not as they seem. Sometimes you are not you. Or at least, not who you think you are. This world is a remnant of itself. Overrun with madness and horror. Those of us left, or rather the pieces of those of us left, cling to a continuance. No more than a cockroach in the food chain. The people I've met all say it's only a matter of time before there aren't any more of us. For me, this is how things have always been. I was born into this world. But my mother would tell me stories at night of the way things used to be. The lush wilderness and bustling cities. All the billions of people with different languages and skin colors. Machines they'd created to fly across the world. And devices to project their images and voices across any distance. I didn't always believe these outlandish stories, but it helped me sleep rather than focus on the immortal's infernal roars or the blood-curdling screams of their victims. I spent every second of silence fearing that we were going to be next. I never understood how my mother could bring me into such a horrible place, knowing what she knew about the paradise she claimed to have grown up in. She told me I was her miracle, that people like us would repopulate the earth, that people like us would find a way to persevere. Of course, as a naive child, I'd cling to these ideals, thinking that I was a hero waiting to uncover his power, dreaming that one day I could change things. I learned that people like us tend to live short and miserable lives, hiding like rats and scavenging what we can to survive. People like us die horribly. I suppose in one regard, you could consider the fact that I've lived on this hell for 18 years to be a miracle. But I don't see it that way. There isn't a single thing I can think of that would even come close to being a miracle. Although it's hard for me to admit, I think the only thing keeping me going is fear. My mother told me it was vital for me to learn to read and write, follow history from the old world. I never saw any real value in it, but I suppose any distraction is a vacation. One of the things she would teach me about was God. She said that God was not related to the gods of this world, but that he was the creator of what it once was. He was supposedly all-knowing and all-seeing, capable of anything. Those who believed in him would be taken to his domain for eternal life. Somehow, she thought that was supposed to make me feel better, but as a child, the thought that a god knew where I was and watched me kept me awake at night. The fact that she believed this entity had the power to keep me, even after death, for all of eternity, still haunts me. I hope with every fiber of my being that she's wrong, for all our sakes. If true, 
That would be the worst one of these things yet. Anyone can be influenced by the immortal's power to make people believe they are some force of good and love. Yeah, right. Fuck the gods. Every single one of them. Fuck. That word always makes me laugh. Four letters. One syllable. One of the bad words. As if something so meaningless, so mundane, could hold any real power or effect. The first time I'd heard it, I was probably four or five. My mother and I were hiding in this bunker we'd found. A random hatch buried in the dirt among the skeleton trees. Apparently these trees used to be covered in living green petals that would grow and change color. Hard to see how these gnarled, haunting forms could ever support life, let alone something that wonderful. Who knows? But we found this place buried beneath the dirt by accidentally stepping on its metal door. Climbed down into its bowels through a locking metal door, and it was safe. We stayed in that place for a long time. There was so many things just left there, including food. How someone could leave all that, I'll never understand. But anyway, she was on her tiptoes trying to get something off a high shelf. I don't remember what it was, and it fell straight down onto her foot. She let out such a long and glorious fuck, and I remember just being awestruck by it. Like I had just learned the perfect word to embody so many situations. It just clicked. After that, I was using fuck for everything. It was my favorite word. One time she sat me down for this talk to tell me about how that was a bad word and only adults should use that word, but also that they shouldn't use it. I sat there listening intently and nodding like I really understood and took it to heart and then just let out a steady stream of ten fucks in a row. I can never forget the look of surprise on her face, like it was the most unbelievable thing she'd ever experienced, even after all this. I couldn't help myself but laugh uncontrollably. After a few seconds, she couldn't help but laugh either. We laughed until our stomachs hurt, and then a bit more. It makes me smile every time I think about it. Maybe that's the power of fuck. Hmm, who knows. I guess I feel a bit better after all. Maybe there is something to this whole journal thing. My mom always wanted me to do it, but I just thought it was stupid. I mean, what's the point if no one reads it? She said that was the point, as if that made even an ounce of sense. It kind of makes me feel like I have someone to talk to, writing in this blank book. I wish she was here. Well, anyway, that's enough for today. Good night, Survivor. That's what she always used to say to me before bed. Saying it makes me feel like she's here. I know it's dumb. January 5th, 2041. Day 2. Well, not for me. For this journal. For me, it's... Day... 6,863. Fuck. 
maybe I was wrong about the miracle thing. No, I definitely wasn't wrong. In fact, I know there was a human survivor somewhere very close to where I've been staying. It's been almost a year since I've seen anyone else. Do you want to know how I know there was someone nearby, book friend? That's your name now, by the way. I just decided that, so if you don't like it, let me know and I'll come up with something else. Nothing? Alright, well that's settled. Anyways, as I was saying, do you understand why living in this place for almost 7,000 days isn't a miracle? That survivor from last night, it was a man. I know this because I heard him. His screams destroyed the silence of the night. See, the thing about immortals in this region is that many of them are nocturnal. This is very good for me in some circumstances, and very bad in others. It's good because these things not actively hunting during the day gives me time to move around much more safely. You can still attract the nocturnal immortals during the day if you're loud, dumb, or just unlucky. I read somewhere that all our luck runs out eventually. Well, for that man, it was certainly true last night. Here we get to why it's terrible to be out after dark when the nocturnals are prowling. Imagine something so fast you could have a mile head start and it would still catch you. Something so powerful it could tear down a whole building just to get to you. Something perfectly adapted to see in zero light and focused on hunting and killing you. These are the things that are out there, searching for us. Why, I still don't know. It hardly matters. A reason wouldn't change things. Smart people survive. Careless people die screaming. Now I'm not saying that I'm smart but I survive. One of the main ways I do that is by paying attention. For example, the man from last night. He died slow. Now don't judge me, book friend. You think I sat here while another human died horribly. That's precisely what I did, and that's because I survive. They aren't called immortals for no reason. The only thing I could have done is to die with him. So what do we know? Nocturnal in this area, not afraid of making noise or taking its time. No preceding weather phenomenons, mutants, or mental influences. All this tells me that I'm likely dealing with a class 3 immortal. Oh, right. I didn't explain my class system. Okay. So first of all, I made up this system, so there's always room for error here. That being said, it served me pretty well so far. Class 1 is your world-altering gods of legend. These things are unstoppable forces of destruction. One of these is almost certainly what altered the sky. The best you can do against them is hope to get the hell out of the way. Well... That kind of applies to all these things, but more so here. 
My mom told me about how some of these class ones decimated millions in a single day. That was a long time ago, when there used to be billions. Hard to imagine. Class 2 are these mighty and very specific monsters, specialized in terrifying ways. Able to control the elements, or change people into subhuman creatures, that type of thing. Class 3 to 5 are generally perversions of things found on Earth at one time or another. Giant mutated animals and such. But not always. Sometimes they're worse. Far worse. I saw one materialize out of a shadow and dismember three people we were traveling with. It cut them apart like they were nothing. No hints, no warnings. I guess you could argue I was lucky that day. But I'd say it depends on who you ask. Sorry, book friend. Didn't mean to get all depressing on you. Just happens sometimes. I'm sure you understand. Anyhow, getting off topic here. Taking into account what this thing in the area has done, we need to look at what it hasn't done. Trust me when I tell you these things can fucking roar. Some of the noises I've heard them make keep me awake at night, years later. This one didn't, at least not last night, while it was playing with that man. Clearly it wasn't worried about making noise, so it's not afraid of competition. That makes me think it's intelligent. It wants to create a sense of danger, and simultaneously mitigate its presence. The goal is to draw people out, make them believe they need to run, which they do. And if there was one person in the area, the immortal thinks there are likely more. Which there happens to be. I point to myself as evidence in this case. Scary stuff, right? So let's get the hell out of here. Not so fast. I and many other less fortunate people have learned the hard way. Hunters are very crafty. This is a waiting game. I don't know why people say that. Games are supposed to be fun. This is not fun. There's a chance that that thing will get impatient and start demolishing everything in the vicinity. But there's a greater chance that if I try to escape the area before it loses interest, well, let's just say I'll be the next one screaming. So I wait. Quietly. Three day minimum. Just you and me, book friend. No cooking or exercising. Nothing to create heat or disturbances. It feels like such a waste of time, but I'm going to try and catch up on some sleep. I'll talk to you later. Good night, Survivor. January 6th, 2041. Good morning, book friend. The waiting game. Day two. Still not fun. You're probably wondering what the point is of the dates. In reality, there is no point. It doesn't matter much what day it is that invincible monsters are trying to kill you. 
It's just something my mom always did. She said that it was important not to forget who we are. I suppose that any distraction is welcome. The mundane can keep you grounded when every day you're one wrong move away from death. But I digress, my book friend. Enough of the negative today. Let's try and talk about something positive, okay? I started this off talking about the quilted sky, but I don't think we ever really got into that. As long as I've been alive, or at least since I remember, that's how the sky has been. Oh, right. I forgot. You're a book. You can't see. Duh. Well, I started calling it that when I was probably six. My mother had made me this blanket out of clothes and towels that became too torn from wear and wash to use. Trust me when I tell you that survivors waste nothing, and wasters don't usually survive. Is that a word? Waster? Uh, whatever. It is now. I'm the only person that I know writing a book, making me the world's foremost word expert. What a title, huh? So anyway, she made this blanket that was just a bunch of pieces of everything. Anytime our clothes would become too ripped to be functional, she would smile and say, It's time to add it to the quilt. That's the kind of thing moms do, you know? Turn a bad situation into a good one. So when she surprised me with this quilt, I was amazed. I remember saying, Mom, it looks just like the sky. She nodded and said, that's right, and I made it just for you. It was strange hearing her say that, because it was like I had realized at that moment that all things had to be made. I looked at her and thought, and then I asked her, Well, who made the sky? That question made her sad. She looked at the ground for a second before telling me, God made the sky, but the monsters changed it. I knew it made her sad, not to see the world the way it was before, but it was always that way for me, and that part I kind of liked. The quilted sky is a mishmash of the most vibrant colors you've ever seen, some so bizarre I can't even explain. It's like looking at something your brain wasn't made to see, the colors always shifting and rolling in on themselves. It's ever-changing and never-ending. It's hypnotizing, quite literally. People who stare too long are sometimes stuck. I've seen it, an old man with his head cocked back. He didn't move or respond or even blink. I guess he didn't have any family left because no one thought the guy was worth the trouble. His eyes turned all white and he wasn't much but skin and bone. Every time I want to stare at the beautiful sky to pass the time, I think about that man, rotting away. Some god probably has his mind. Shit. I said no depressing stuff. I'm trying. I am. My mom told me that the sky used to be all blue, 
just one solid color. She said that she missed it and that its beauty was in its simplicity. I don't know, sounds pretty dull to me. Not only that, but according to her, the night sky was just black and dark, depending on the moon. Yeah, just one moon. Crazy, right? And that was the only time you could see the stars, except for the sun, which I guess was the closest star. Still doesn't make sense to me, but that's how history works, I think. Kind of like when all those years ago, people thought the world was flat. Man, if they could see it now. Wait, does that make me a historian? I am chronicling history, of sorts. Why not? It's not like anyone can dispute my self-appointed titles. Anyhow, that's all I've got for today. I will try to do some repairs on my gear and clothing while I have downtime. Good night, Survivor. January 9th, 2041. This might be it, my only friend. If you don't hear from me again, it's good night forever, Survivor. But if you do, I'll have one fuck of a story to tell. <laughs>